Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported podcast. To support the show, go to interestingtimespodcast.com. You, yes you, have probably repeated fascist propaganda. I've done it too. It's okay. You've probably heard somebody do it in casual conversation. I think we've all done it. I know, it's bad, but it's going to be okay. We're going to debunk this during this episode today. But that fascist propaganda that you've probably repeated has been, sure, Mussolini was bad, but at least he made the trains run on time. I've also heard another version of it where people have said, hey, Hitler was pretty bad, but at least he made the trains run on time though the Mussolini version is the original and the more often repeated one. Today, though, I am going to take apart that enduring piece of propaganda, get into its origins, and get into why it is not, in fact, true. Now, in my reading of this cliché, there are two attendant meanings going on. The first is finding a silver lining to a bad situation. The idea that even though Italy, during the early mid-20th century, might have suddenly been in the thrall of an authoritarian dictator who was enamored with his own cult of personality, seriously, Mussolini was weird up to the point that he made, like, giant faces of himself on buildings like he was some kind of supervillain. Well, even in the face of all that, at least the trains were on time, at least there's that. The other meaning, though, is a bit darker, and I'll get into this a bit later on in the show. The implied idea behind this cliché is that there might be some kind of trade-off between liberty and efficiency. A second meaning of this cliché seems to be that Mussolini made the trains run on time because he was a dictator. The clockwork efficiency of the fascist Italian trains was because of, not in spite of, his oppression. And that belief is dangerous. That belief tells us that authoritarianism gets things done and makes things work. It doesn't. More on that later. Authoritarianism does not and did not get things done in this case. Mussolini did not make the trains run on time, and his perceived proficiency with ferroequinology, ferroequinology is my favorite word for train stuff, that is not a case, even a slight one, for the legitimacy of fascism. Now, when I was putting this episode together, I tried to find the first use of this trope. And one serious disadvantage that I have is that I do not speak Italian. So, I was limited to English language sources. The first English language source that I was able to come across for this cliché is from 1931, so pretty early, when the religious scholar Reinhold Niebuhr was quoted by the New York Times on December 14th of that year. And he said, Regardless of the compliments tourists give him for running the trains on time, the rule of Mussolini is the greatest outrage carried on against liberty. Now, a few things about that. Uh, first off, Niebuhr's remarks imply that the trope has been around for some time before 1931, so this is obviously not the first usage of this cliché. Uh, also, post-World War II, uh, his remarks seem sort of strange to a modern person. In 1931, Mussolini was definitely the big fascist, and Adolf Hitler was not yet fully ascendant, and German fascism, of course, would prove to be a far greater outrage carried on against liberty. That little quote from Niebuhr, that's kind of a reversal of how this trope usually plays out. Usually it plays out by saying, hey, Mussolini's pretty bad, but at least he made the trains run on time, 
However, here, Niebuhr is saying, hey, never mind all the trains that everyone's talking about. This guy is terrible. And I find that little reversal of how the cliche is usually repeated to be sort of interesting. And another early documented example, again, in English, while researching this, I really wish that I spoke Italian. Um, another documented example of this cliche comes from a 1935 book by American journalist George Seldes called Sada Caesar, The Untold History of Mussolini and Fascism. And at the time when Seldes was writing, Mussolini was still getting some pretty good press in the United States. Yeah, a lot of people recognized that he was an authoritarian, undemocratic fascist, but hey, at least he was opposed to communism. Seldes, though, he complained that many of his fellow Americans would vacation in Italy, and they would have a great time, and when they did, they would often hand-wave away much of the oppression and the undemocratic activity under Mussolini by talking about how nice the country was, what a great time they had, and they would make all kinds of excuses for the fascist dictator. And Seldes, when he's writing about these Americans who are making apologetics for fascism, he has this to say in particular about the whole train thing. Quote, Most quoted is the argument that the trains run on time. The vast American tourist class, which includes bankers, editors, senators, and representatives, mayors and mayoresses, and mayoresses? Really? Army officers and just plain folks returned to its native land where railroading is an accepted institution but not necessarily a yardstick for patriotism, and roared in unison, Great is the duce! The trains now run on time. A poor, simple, naive minority which protested at some abstract and old-fashioned American things, such as liberty of the press, freedom of the individual, equal justice, and the spread of culture were being slaughtered by the corporate state, was squelched with the complete answer, but the trains run on time. When the unruly minority timidly suggested that the authoritarian state was the complete antithesis of the Magna Carta, the Declaration of Independence, and the Rights of Man, millions of tourists would leap up to chant the litany, the trains run on time. The official press agents and the official philosophers of the fascist regime explained to the world that the running of the trains was a symbol of the restoration of law and order. Order. Discipline. Hierarchy. Unquote. And wow, George Seldes tells how you really feel, and this is in 1935, too. Again, he is reacting to positive portrayals of Mussolini in the American press. He is very much going out of his way to say, no, this guy is bad news. Seldes elaborates that the railroads that visiting Americans saw there, a lot of the ones that they partook of, were for show. A good deal of the trains the tourists were on, they had been improved, but... A lot of those were a facade, and they were specifically there for foreign consumption. Local trains that everyday Italians used were far less efficient. Quoting Seldes again, It is true that the majority of the big expresses, those carrying eyewitnessing tourists, are usually put through on time, but on smaller lines, bad rail and roadbed conditions frequently cause delays. Unquote. On top of that, Seldes notes that the fascist state was loath to report rail accidents, delays, or collisions. Mussolini's fascist state did their best to suppress reports of anything relating to failing infrastructure. News of it still got out. I mean, if a train derails or there's a crash or a bridge falls down or whatever, uh, people, they're certainly going to talk about that. But the image of an efficient clockwork train system and more generally an efficient clockwork national 
infrastructure, that was mostly a thing of propaganda. That existed because Mussolini's state was trying to manipulate what type of information got out about their stuff. And it is true that there were some train improvements uh, to Italian trains after World War I. Uh, after World War I, the state of Italian infrastructure was terrible because World War I. And after the dust settled, the Italian government did get to work in improving necessary infrastructure such as rails. So compared to, say, post-war, post-apocalyptic land, uh, a lot of the Italian trains were relatively better, but they were not super shiny and efficient. Um, however, a lot of those improvements, they came before Mussolini assumed power. In a 1937 biography of the dictator called Mussolini's Roman Empire, D. Max Smith wrote the following, quote, The Italian railway system had been run down during World War I, but had been much improved between the wars. The claim was advanced that Italian trains were the envy of Europe. This was an exaggeration by Mussolini, who did his best to make the train service into a symbol of fascist efficiency and managed to conceal much that had been done before 1922, before he became prime minister. His propaganda was very successful, yet somehow travelers reported that the celebrated trains running universally on time were to some extent a convenient myth. Unquote. It was an imperfect train system, and the improvements that were made were made by a democratic government that happened before Mussolini, and yet this myth persists. And the thing that's most insidious isn't the part related to the literal facts about Italian trains. No, the insidious thing about this cliché is that it seems to affirm the conventional wisdom that authoritarianism is somehow more efficient than, or has certain institutional advantages over democracy. And democracy is messy, it's argumentative, weird, capricious, sometimes it brings out the worst in us, but it's also a form of government where things can be corrected. Democratic societies have the capacity to pass new laws, amend constitutions, vote on new policies, bring in new leaders, and change peacefully. This does not always happen quickly, but it can and does happen. One might even say social evolution is inherent in the democratic model, and it's not inherent in authoritarianism. Authoritarian regimes exist, I think it's fair to say, for their own sake as opposed to the sake of their citizenry. Democratic regimes are a means to an end, that end being the good of the people who live under that regime. Authoritarian regimes are an end in and of itself and only exist to glorify themselves, and any action that an authoritarian regime takes will be, in my opinion, with that end in mind. Mussolini made a show of some efficient trains for visiting elites. That was an act of propaganda. It mostly worked. He also suppressed news of train accidents and other infrastructure failures, and took credit for what others did, what his democratic predecessors did. He was able to create the perception of efficient trains and not actually deliver. And I think this strategy is less likely to work in a democracy. Democracies do have plenty of deception and BS and prevarication and mendacity, yes, but they have to be more accountable. People in a democracy are more likely to demand material results from the leaders. And again, Change might not happen quickly, but there is an incentive for the government and elected officials to actually deliver. There is an incentive to listen to people who demand better trains, better laws, and more equality. Results, such as good trains, good bridges, good roads, good stuff in general, 
They do not come from the strong hand of a benevolent dictator, suppressing the naysayers and giving it to people. Rather, they come from the millions of citizens who demand that from the powers that be. And that demand is what, in a just world, will make the trains run on time. I love hearing from you. Give us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us stars, five of them. Go on there and tell people how much you enjoy the show. That does some kind of weird alchemy with the iTunes that makes the show more discoverable for other people. Also, if you like, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Uh, Facebook.com slash Interesting Times with Joe Streckert. JoeStreckert.tumblr.com. At Joe Streckert, I am pretty findable using my actual name. And, of course, please do support the show. Uh, this is an ad-free, independent podcast. I work for you. Um, so, if you want to keep it that way, uh, go on interestingtimespodcast.com. Sign up for a monthly donation with the Patreon so we can keep this thing running. That would be highly excellent of you. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week.